Welcome to LAPUX Lessons. This podcast is a growing collection of conversations with thought leaders in the online professional development space. Here at LAPU, our award-winning team strives to create world-class online learning experiences that put humanity back into learning. Join us on our journey to innovate in the online classroom and show the world what learning feels like. This is George Hanshaw, the Director of E-Learning Operations here at Los Angeles Pacific University. And I'm with my colleague, Trey Glazatoff, with whom I've had the pleasure to work alongside for just about two years now. For those who don't know, LAPU launched a completely mobile classroom. It started with a challenge from our president, John Reynolds. I think you were there as well, Trey, when he asked us, is it possible for a student to complete their degree if they were stranded on a deserted island with only a cell phone and good bandwidth? That gave us the challenge. That's, that slammed down the gauntlet and the challenge was on. And uh, when we talk about mobile, is so much more than just being responsive or having an app within a within your LNS. And you did your dissertation on mobile learning. Trey, how, how, what is your terminal degree and what would you find out about mobile learning? Uh, well, my degree is in um, computing technology and education from um, Nova Southeastern University in Florida. And I'm gonna tell you why I I took that route. You know, I have my master's in education with a focus in instructional design and technology. And so when I decided to do my PhD, I was looking for programs that would give me a different perspective. And a lot of the programs were either EDD or PhD, but they were similar on the, the theory side of, of learning. And it was very similar to my master's degree. Nova offered a degree in computing technology and education, which looked at how we as humans interact with technology. Oh, and so what it, a great it, fit here with uh, LAPU when we do everything human-centered. Correct. That's right. Cool. So it was like okay. that human c- computer, uh, you know, engagement interfacing. And so it offered a, a unique perspective when you think about instructional design of really thinking about how do we especially as we become a more digital, a more global um, society, what does that mean for learning? Especially as we start interacting with these different types of technologies and different learning spaces. And so it really intrigued me in how I could take that from an instructional design perspective of how do we design for these different spaces? How do we design when we're using different tools and different technologies? And so I landed on my my PhD project. I was working in faculty development, doing a lot of face-to-face trainings. And there was always this complaint that I really wanted to come, but you know, the time didn't work, the day didn't work, I just couldn't get there. And so then I started to look at, you know, how do we create more opportunity for faculty? to train and to develop if it's not in a face-to-face environment. And so I was intrigued by mobile learning at the time. Um, I was still had my technical hat on. So I was like, I think I want to develop an app. I don't know. All right. <laughs> always stretching the boundary, always stretching, stretching the boundaries. boundaries, right? Like, let's see if I can develop an app. And so I took my uh, dissertation and I, and I asked the question, Knowing what we know about instructional design, 
is it the same process? Is it the same structure format if we are designing for a mobile learning environment? And so I took that problem of what would it look like to have faculty development completely mobile, similar to, to John's question, right? If you're on the island just with good bandwidth and a phone, could you do some faculty development? And I didn't want to start from scratch. I didn't want to develop anything new. So I was like, what's out there? There's got to be, right, something that we can take, a framework we can take and then see if it works for, for mobile. Well, what, what did you find? Well, there was a, a theory by um, Dr. David Murrow. It's called the component display theory. Now, this was a theory from like the 70s, 80s. It started out with computer-based learning at the time for science and, and military, and he developed this framework on how would you design for computer-based self-paced learning. And I was like, hmm, that sounds similar to mobile. Let's see if that theory still works. And I started to dive deep into his theory. Okay. Now he has since then revised this theory. Now it's called the first principles, but it's okay. essentially the same. And it was interesting because when I was doing my research, I was at a conference that he was speaking at. And, you know, I was like this little geek. He finished. Oh, yeah. he's, he's walking out the room. And I'm like, Dr. Merrill, Dr. Merrill, guess what? I'm using your component display theory for my dissertation. And he stopped. <laughs> and he turned around. He said, why? <laughs> I said, because it, I think it works. I think it works for mobile learning. And he said, well, this is when he first was promoting the first principles. He said, well, just use the first principles because it's easier for people to understand. And I said, well, not for me. I, I'm like, I understand the component display theory. If you look at the theory as it is, it looks like physics. It's like all right. of these equations and craziness. And it looks like a formula. And you're like, oh my goodness, this, what is this? But it's simple, right? It, there were two things that he classified for learning when you were designing. He said, there's content and there's performance. Content was, what are we trying to have students learn? Are they learning facts? Are they learning concepts? Are they learning principles? Are they learning procedures? It's only four things. Anything that you're learning can be categorized in one of those four, right. those four groupings. So what are they trying to learn? And then what, how are we having them learn? Like, how do we demonstrate the performance? Do we only want them to remember? Do we want them to use or apply it? Or do we want them to generate new ideas and concepts? So he created like this matrix. This is what you learn and this is what we want you to do as far as performance. And based on this matrix, for any learning, any micro learning, there's a prescription on how do we introduce it? How do we allow the practice? And how do we know when the students have demonstrated a, a certain level of mastery? He had a prescription for every combination. Wow. Yes. That's pretty impressive. That is it. That is. It is. And, and so for each prescription, there was sort of these two levels. There was a primary level of presentation, which really was 
you know, how do you present? And then the secondary was like, how do you support? So that may be like with mnemonics or help or even just feedback. So those, it was like very detailed. It was genius. I was like, oh my goodness. (laughs) So I took those and I applied it to my problem, which was if I wanted to design for mobile learning, can I use these prescriptions to develop a mobile learning module app? And so I took a course that I was teaching at the time for faculty, which was around copyright, tested it out with faculty, and then figured out, you know, from the instructional design perspective, did this theory work? And the answer was yes. It made the design like simple, like I didn't have to think about what I needed. I could be more on the creative side and like jazz it up, but the, the prescription worked. And the way that I tested it is for the course, I did my normal instructional design framework and then I applied the principles, mapped that all out. And then I recruited some external instructional designers to just check it. I gave them the prescription. I gave them a module and I said, does it make sense? Does this work? Does it follow general good, effective instructional design? Well, what did the instructional designers come back with? They, they came back with, yeah, this, this makes sense. It works. And then I actually sent a draft of it to Dr. Merle. And I said, just, just to let you know, this is kind of where I'm landing. What do you think? And uh, he, he shot back an email. He said, where were you 15, 20 years ago? <laughs> oh. um, and then I shot it over to faculty to actually go through the course. And that's Ooh. when the interesting data happened. <laughs> that's when it gets good. Okay. Right. So I, I, I had the quantitative piece from the, the app, but then I went back around and I did interviews just to understand their experience with being mobile, fully mobile. Okay. And there was some interesting feedback from that. The first was around learner control. So a big piece of the theory, the component display theory was around learner control. So the, even mm-hmm. though there was prescription for the design, a big piece was around learner control, which meant learners could determine how they were going to go through the course so that it was not linear learners could figure out for themselves so it was very individualized and personalized and so i had to that was the more difficult piece to build in was that support piece of how do i make this as open as possible so that learners determine their course well, that fits right into andragogy. Uh, even now, mindset wasn't there when you were going, doing building all yeah. this, but it fits into that, fits into grit, fits into neuroscience, it fits into right. all that. So you were fitting into that before it was even common knowledge. It was, yeah, before we start calling it out. But it was difficult from the design perspective to consider all the ways to make it open. So you start mapping the instruction you tried to do like different pathways, but even in the support and the assessment, it had to be open, right? It had to be, right. let the students determine where they want to, to, to focus their time and energy on. 
assessment, even the assessment piece. So a big piece was you don't need to overassess, which I think we do a lot of in education, right? Mm -hmm. we, just, we just keep assessing, assess. You don't need to overassess. When a student has got it, they got it. So one of the prescription pieces, elements that I love was this feedback piece that said, like, how many times do you assess? We, we tend to overassess, and the prescription was like, no. Once they got it, they got it. Move on. Yeah. <laughs> I was Move like, on. Let's, let's yes. <laughs> like, let's, let's, let's not lose the learner. Let's just keep moving. <laughs> let's keep moving. Like, you don't have to pound it in. Like, if they got it, they got it. Let's move on. Just thinking about it. And I, I tend to overthink when I start geeking out. So, and so I made it like fully open. I'm like, you can start whichever way. There's no, it's no linear process. I have topics. You, you pick out how you want to, how do you want to get through this? Or you could just jump to the final assessment. Now, how did the faculty find that? So they did not like it at all. <laughs> and okay. that, was one of the, <laughs> that was one of the, you know, when we were discussing in the, in the uh, interview, they said it was too open. Like, I just didn't know what to do. I didn't, you know, I wanted some more guidance. And you, and you think about, you know, if you got faculty saying that, and part of it, I think, is just, being comfortable with the status quo of this is how it's supposed to work. And so that's what I'm expecting, as opposed to being more open to there's a different way to learn this. And you're free. You can just kind of kind of wander. They do not like to wander. Well, you know, in education, a lot of times everything's so prescriptive that we get stuck. Yes. With that prescriptiveness. Yeah. Yes. And that's what happened with the faculty. They were just like, I just wanted you to tell me what I needed to just tell me where to go and tell me what I need to do. It was just too open for me. So they oh. just, they, it was a challenge for them. Okay. Uh, another piece. So that learner control. Yeah. They wanted less control. <laughs> they okay. wanted less control, which was, which was very interesting. That's but a again, dissertation I, in itself. <laughs> that is, it is a dissertation is. in itself. The amount of learner control and because, again, like you said, I think it goes to how we're conditioned to learn. Um, and I and we I have this question with someone a, a while ago. We have this notion of pedagogy versus andragogy. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So tell me your whole K-12 experience is like this pedagogy. Right. Right. Um, and it's a different look and feel. And then all of a sudden you graduate 12th grade and let's say you go to college and literally overnight you're thrown into this andragogy, which you haven't experienced before. So how do you even make that transition? And a lot of the challenges I think we see with our students, it has nothing to do with the content of the learning. I think it's that process where they have been for the last, you know, 14 years or 13, 14 years of their life, they've been given this certain expectation and a certain approach and framework of how learning is supposed to look. And then literally overnight, it changes and they haven't been given that transitional period. Yeah, because you can't. With that independent model, it's there because a greater critical thinking and creative thinking as well. So using those facts in a, in a way that hasn't been done before. So it comes up with something uh, unique. And oftentimes if it's business, an inexpensive way to solve 
a real juicy problem. And you have to have that uh, independent learning to be able to, to apply and fail, really, right. right? Right. And so, yeah, I think I think part of what I was seeing back then was, you know, that, that motto of just... I'm depending on you to tell me what I need to need to know so I can get this done, right? I just need to get it done and move on. But but learning is more more than just the call and response. I don't want you to just tell me what I just told you. I want you to take it a step further and apply it and understand how to use it in different contexts. The other point, you know, to John's question, which again this was almost 10 years ago, bandwidth so faculty, even though, you know, I told them, use your phone. <laughs> How'd that go over? It did not, it, they, they used their phone. They did follow instructions, but the experience for them was not enjoyable because it was on a small device. Now uh -oh. I designed it so that it would fit a small device. So I chunked it, you know, there's lots of visuals general design principles were followed. So that wasn't the problem. Um, but because we had older adults and it was, remember phones back then, um, they're not like the 12 inches, the full tablet, yeah. all the phones. <laughs> they were like, I could get through it, but it just was not a, an enjoyable experience. I wanted to see it on the full screen. That's that responsiveness piece where, you know, even though John wants, they only have their mobile phone, most likely they're, they're going to have a tablet or laptop. <laughs> they're going to have a little bit of, little bit of both. A little bit you know, of both. You know what's uh, interesting so, is yeah. I designed a, a small program for uh, uh, one of the counties out here, and it didn't have an LMS, but it was all supposed to be mobile, a text but it was basically using just a couple tools, which one was Flipgrid that we all know about where you can have that conversation back and forth. And uh, the other one was Hapyak, which is a interactive video. And because now this was recently within two years, but now because devices are bigger and easier to use and bandwidth isn't an issue. And these were faculty members who are becoming administrators, becoming principals. They had to go through this training course and it was all uh, Happy Act interactive video and then Flipgrid where they had to leave res responses, right? And a lot of them did it in their on their phone. And we have pretty good results. And I'm wondering, wondering out loud here, is that because we now order everything we want on Amazon and uh, all through our phone, uh, if that makes a difference? Because yours was a little bit ago and this was then. I wonder if our conditioning with Amazon and everybody else is making it a little bit simpler. I think so. And I also think this social media element integration has made it uh, easier and simpler to engage because back then, yes, we have social media, but it's not as big as it is now where we have, you know, a lot of consumption, but we also have a lot of content creation, right? Through these right. social media tools. And so I think that comfort level of not only consuming, we did more consuming of content back then, I think, than, than creating. I think you're right. Um, yeah. 
But now that we're more comfortable with creating content, I think that probably has made it easier for folks to use something like Flipgrid, right? Because they're used to TikTok and they're used to Instagram and, and just creating short, simple, to the point content. So I, I definitely think that our digital life has definitely offered some greater opportunities to create some engaging pieces for, for mobile. Yeah. So you went through this this whole dissertation process and then got to that piece and, they, and the faculty didn't like it for various reasons. Uh, wasn't for lack of design or anything else, but probably a lot to do with the, the components they had, right? Not Organizational readiness. So oh. like LAPU, like we're ready, right? We're, we're there, right. we're forward thinking. The organization, the district I was with, they were they thought they were ready too. They're like, yeah, we want to push more mobile learning. So I said, okay, let's let's see how this works. Let's push. They were about to like push out a mobile initiative with they didn't know who they were talking to, did they, Trey, when they told you that? No, because they were like, Oh, we're about to give students, you know, tablets and mobile design, mobile courses, and I'm like, so one of the things that we found out that put a halt to a lot of initiatives was the bandwidth. So you, you know, John prefaced it with bandwidth. Yeah, yes, uh, one he of did. The challenges that the faculty had was bandwidth. Because guess what? Even though they were mobile, and this we found this with our students too at the time. Even though we had these mobile initiatives and these mobile things going on, people were still on campus. They weren't oh. mobile in the respect of I'm at home, I'm on the train, I'm at work, I'm you know, walking across the street. Most of the folks were still on campus using the mobile app or whatever it was. Right. So um, the bandwidth, you know, as we know, certain times of the day, the bandwidth just shoots up and it's, it's a little iffy. And so one of the issues that the faculty had, even with uh, the, the, the training, was they were, on, they were on campus too. They maybe were like in their office and decided, oh, let me do this training real quick or something. Or maybe they were eating lunch and decided to look at some videos. But one of their concerns was the glitchiness of the bandwidth, depending on the time of day. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. And, and so the organization wasn't ready for that spike because again, the assumption was, Oh, our students, our learners yeah. are elsewhere. No, they're on campus. And they and were using your wife. All That's right. What's happening. And so, yeah, so that was kind of a, a aha for them where this was like, Oh, from an infrastructure perspective, understand that and be ready for that. Otherwise the experience, is not going to be positive for for the learner so that's a big deal because if it's not positive that that's hard ground to make up once you've already established that yeah you you have to be a superstar to overcome that yeah yeah so yeah just even like all the assumptions we make about learning mobily or just mm -hmm. you know it just kind of flew out the window which was my aha, aha. you know aha. i I, I assumed the learner was ready, meaning they were comfortable with their own technology. So the other aha was even for folks who use their phones, like people didn't know how to use their phones. Right. 
<laughs> and you naturally assume that they do. I'm like, and that's, I'm like, how, how long have you had that phone? Oh, I've had this phone for, you know, over a year. And I'm like, you still don't know how to, <laughs> to get to. So they had like trouble getting to <laughs> the lesson. I'm like, but it's on your phone. Like you didn't, they were like, I don't know. I was trying to open it up in the browser. I didn't, then I was trying to open up. Yeah. We make a lot of assumptions. We do. And those are, <laughs> those always bite. They always bite. Yeah. Now, you mentioned TikTok a little bit ago, and we made our own little, uh, uh, for Berlin Science Week, if anybody doesn't know, we, we had an entry into Berlin Science Week for innovation. And you, we made little TikTok-style videos. We didn't post one TikTok. And yeah. yours was on meaningful assessment, I believe, right? So how, was, how, do we, yeah. how do we assess in a mobile environment to make it meaningful? For me, this gives us so many more opportunities in the traditional world. Uh, what do you, what do you think about assessment on a mobile device? I think we have to look to the social media gods and goddesses and with their content creation and pull out why does TikTok and Instagram and Facebook Live why does that why does that connect or resonate oh. with others, right? It and sure it's does. Because it's authentic, it's creative and is is open for the world, meaning like anybody can go and connect with it. Like they don't need to know the language, but because you're using more senses, you're using your hearing, you're using the visual, you're using color, you're using um, a lot of different things other than just the written word or other than just the spoken word it's it, it's just creative right. it's it's engaging all of your senses and so i think we got to look to the lessons that we can learn from our from our social media experiences so when you talk about assessment like how do we allow students to do multiple representation of mastery right we talk about that right. in, in universal design but we don't we we know it in theory but what does it look like in practice and I think the social media pieces, the platforms can give us some ideas of what it could look like in practice when we talk about multiple ways to demonstrate mastery. And we allow, because you, you get your personalities, you, you get your authentic uh, person, they can be themselves and they can show you rather than tell you what they can do. And I think the mobile platform is a perfect platform to allow for that creativity we depend too much on the written word. I think we have to get away from that. Not necessarily get, there's other ways to do written assignments, um, but mobile okay. learning really allows us to open up alternative ways to demonstrate mastery. That's liberating to me because you have people out there, okay, maybe they're not that uh, APA writer, but you know what? They've mastered this topic, this content, and they just need, they need to be able to show you. And that by giving more ways, that's just opening up entire industries, you know, right. to, to creativity. And I think we also have to kind of examine, we put constraints on assignments. But TikTok, TikTok mm -hmm. videos are like 20 seconds. And you can you can tell a whole story in 20 seconds, right? Well, well somebody just pointing fingers. <laughs> pointing fingers and you get it. We forget like as humans, 
regardless of where we are on this earth, that we can connect in so many different ways. Like you said, right? Yeah. Pointing fingers and you get it. I was watching a TikTok video. I'm confessing. You know, it's, it's kind of that, that guilty pleasure just kind of scrolling right. through <laughs> and seeing what people are posting. And it was two Korean guys doing something around just like their reflection of another TikTok video, like their perspective, their thoughts on another TikTok video. And they, it was all in Korean. I don't speak Korean, but I got it. <laughs> you got it, right? I got it. I got it. I got the message through their, through their uh, inflection, through their expressions. Um, right. And then even my response to the video, because, you know, when they made a face, I knew why they made that face. Because I was like, <laughs> I would have made that face, too. Look at this. What is this? <laughs> How did this happen? It, it transcends language. Right. It's the connection. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's, it's a lot of fun ways. Liberating, as you stated, fun. But we still get what we need to get from it. And I think that's a piece of learning. And it's hard to make things concise. You have to really get it, really know it to make things concise. It has to be such high level thinking, right? It has to right. be, you know, you only, it's, it's like when Twitter, remember when Twitter became big and like a lot of people were integrating Twitter into their courses? Yeah, oh, yeah. Think about it. 140 characters. Make your statement, make your story in 140 characters. You know how much time, effort, and thinking that requires right? to, to make your point? We got to tap into these platforms and how, how we're using them in our social lives and how that, how that really is higher level thinking, yep. creativity, critical thinking, examination. I mean, there's so many you know, global issues going on in the world and people are making statements on their on, on those platforms. And that's critical thinking. That's next level stuff. And so we have to just kind of reframe what our ideas are around assessment and how that's going to work. What I love about that is our the new digital marketing uh, curriculum that we have. What, yeah. One of the assessments is a TikTok video. Create that TikTok video because if you're going to be a digital marketer, you have to get that point across. I think the latest data I heard was you got three seconds. Somebody's going to look at your stuff for three seconds. And if it doesn't connect, they're moving on. Right. So I think that is awesome the way that uh, we're using your research. Now I know a lot of the research came from what you did, the, the successes and really important. The, the failures for me was the biggest part when they didn't, when the faculty didn't get it, when they didn't like it. That's the biggest stuff that we can apply right now within. And I think we're doing that within the digital marketing. So that's kind of cool. That is. I think, you know, LAPU, we are we are the leaders, I think, in this in this mobile first, really thinking outside the box. We have a creative team and willing to take risks, which is part of learning. Right. We 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 ask our students to take risks in the learning spaces all the time. And I think. We also have to do that on the design side is take that risk take to really a risk. figure out how, how it's going to best serve our students. That's a great point. And that's a great point, I think, to uh, kind of stop. Let's take some risks. Let's, let's, and especially in the mobile world, you, if you're not taking a risk, you're, you're simply not moving forward. You're stuck. So yeah. take some risks and really uh, do something different. That's what it, it's all about. Yeah.
Trey, thanks for spending your time and enlightening everybody about all the great work you've you've done prior to everybody trying to go mobile, even kind of being on that leading edge. I think that's cool. And we're I, I didn't know it until now that we're actually applying some of the stuff that you found from your dissertation. So that's that's very cool that we're able to do that. And that's just part of being you're just an amazing part of the team. I just enjoy working with you all the time. Oh shucks. <laughs> So this 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 is us at LAPU. This is who we are. This is what we do. And this is what learning feels like. Thank you for listening to this episode of LAPUX Lessons. We hope you had fun learning something new today. If you did, please take a few minutes to review our podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you are listening. We value your feedback so highly because we are doing this for you. Come connect with us on social media so we can get to know you better. All of our channels are listed in the show description. Before you go, we want to invite you to visit x.lapu.edu to see the courses that our awesome team has created. Check back often as we are always developing new offerings. Or you can subscribe to this podcast where we will announce and feature new courses as they become available. That's it for this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and remember, this is what learning feels like.